Gentlemen, thanks for joining me today. Wow, what an esteemed panel we have here. Today, I want to talk with you guys about the moon landing. So, Hollywood science man Neil deGrasse Tyson, let's go to you first. What do you think? Did we go to the moon or did we fake it? If you wanted to fake the moon landing, you would have to fake all of these documents. And it just seems to me it's way easier to just go to the moon. <laughs> Has anyone considered that? <laughs> wow. No, I hadn't considered that. Boy, it sure does seem like a lot of documents, though. All right, let's go to you, other Hollywood science man, Bill Nye, the science guy. Uh, what do you have to say to somebody who doubts the moon landing? But when it comes to moon landings, just ask the person how you would generate all that paperwork. The warehouse is full of documentation that NASA created uh, to make landings on the moon would overwhelm any, anybody trying to do it on the side. You just, it'd just be very difficult to print all that. Yeah, it does seem like a lot to print. Wow, I guess I just didn't consider all the paperwork. Oh, that's so interesting. But you guys are the science guys, so I guess you know. Uh, Jack Black, what do you think? Dude, if you get the nachos stuck together, that's one nacho. Yeah, well, I'm, that's an obviously true statement. I'm glad somebody's making sense today. But uh, how about you, Bishop Bullwinkle? What do you think? Did we land on the moon? No. Come on to the no, no. All right, well, I'm with the bishop on this one. Conspiracy Guide. My name is Sean and I will be your lunatic conspiracy guide. I tell you what, it is just crazy out here for a conspiracy theorist. It is like Spinal Tap turned up to 11 every day. It's like drinking from a fire hose and you know, it's kind of it's kind of getting old being right all the time. It's like the conspiracy theorists are just winning every single day. But we're not going to talk about what's in the news right now. I want to talk to you today about the moon landing. We're going to do a throwback, a classic conspiracy. Going to try and keep it light today. Bit of this does get heavy, but I uh, want to do the moon landing because I think it's fun. And got a whole bunch of heavy topics on the horizon. So, I love the moon landing. I think it's a really great topic and uh, it's a fun one to think about. And it's just one of the original conspiracy theories. So, so thank you for listening today and uh, please continue to 
uh, rate the podcast and share the podcast. Those are uh, really helpful to me and they're really working. As they say, smash that subscribe button. And before we get into the moon landing, real quick story about the downloads. So this podcast gets, I don't know, half a dozen to a dozen or so downloads and listens every day, which is not too bad for a uh, podcast that launched from nothing and gets almost no promotion. But on the 27th of last month, I logged into my account and saw that the podcast had 26,000 downloads on that day. Um, Yeah, you can imagine I was quite shocked to see that. So I tried to figure out where those, those were coming from. I finally did figure it out. And what it was is that somehow Conspiracy Guide, and specifically that fourth episode, the government episode was added to the Samsung preferred podcast list. So anyone who bought a Samsung phone and activated it on that day, the fourth episode of this podcast automatically got downloaded. So the conspiracy theorist in me was thinking, well, gee, that's really strange. Maybe, maybe Samsung, the South Korean company that it is, was making some kind of statement because the Chinese protests were popping off. And that particular episode was not easy on government and government structures. Anyway, I have no idea how that happened. But if one of you that's listening is from that uh, that 26,000, if that's how you're joining me today, well, thank you. I hope you'll uh, continue to listen. And uh, uh, happy to have you. So, All right, let's talk about the moon landing. Did it actually happen? Did we send astronauts all the way to the moon with a dune buggy? (laughs) Of course we did, right? Because NASA said so. And NASA wouldn't lie to us, right? I mean, it's not like NASA is full of Nazis or anything, right? Wait, what? Oh, (laughs) never mind. Uh, Yeah, uh... NASA was full to the brim of Nazis. And I don't know, maybe they were just science Nazis. But uh, in any case, uh, that's what it was. That's 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 what NASA was at that time. Just chock full of Nazis. And really, NASA is evil. And I can prove that because NASA is an anagram of for Satan. But Sean, (laughs) there's a T in Satan and there's no T in NASA. But every time NASA launches one of their so-called rockets, what do they say? They say T (laughs) minus. So they're telling you they took out the T. See, it's Satan, people. Case closed. Come back next week as we discuss another conspiracy theory topic. All right, that wasn't enough. You need more proof that we didn't actually go to the moon or that it was faked? All right, well, here we go. I guess we will continue. We've got to start with Nazis. 
not Nazis in the modern form, which is really anyone who just disagrees with you politically. No, the original, the World War II Nazis. You see, during World War II, rocketry was really starting to take off. Um, rocket technology was just exploding at this time. Oh, boy. All right. Tip your waitresses. Anyway, the Nazis were way ahead of everyone else where rockets are concerned. So much so that it seemed like they got their technology from aliens or something, which I can't totally rule out, but that is another podcast for another day. Now, these rockets, primarily these rockets were called the V1 and the V2 rockets, and these things were manufactured in an underground factory with slave labor, and the biggest of these was called Dora. Now, at the height of this operation, there were uh, more than about 500 of these produced every single month, and they were being used to just decimate the UK and other Western European countries. The Nazis, in total, launched about 3,000 of these rockets, and they killed a bunch of people, um, uh, devastating weapons. Uh, They were really effective, though, and um, they were essentially the first long-range guided missiles. Now, the camps where these things were made, they were really brutal, and I read that up to a third of the inmates in these facilities actually died, and that this particular facility, Dora, Uh, Almost 60,000 people were uh, forced to work there. So not really keeping it light so far, but hey, thems is the facts. So fortunately, got to talk about it. This is how it all began. Now, apparently uh, this camp system gets a little bit overlooked because they were um, not uh, holding uh, Jewish people there. And this was more for political prisoners or like gypsies is what I read. Anyway, you may not have heard of it and that that might be the reason. But somewhere in the mid-1945, most of the camps like this one were liberated and it was mostly by U.S. soldiers. However, uh, when they they came through Dora, they didn't really liberate anyone because all they found were dead bodies, unfortunately. However, when these U.S. forces swept through, They basically grabbed everything they could uh, for intelligence reasons. And because it was the 1940s, that was basically like a bunch of uh, paper files and and paper plans and stuff. Now, they had to keep moving because they were basically on a liberation tour and and that liberation had to continue. But when uh, all the dust settled, the Soviet Union was actually the ones that occupied this particular area where the rocket factories were. So the U.S. had taken all of the plans and uh, intellectual property and such, and the Soviet Union ended up with the factory and actually quite a few of the fully functioning rockets. And this was the impetus for the U.S. versus Soviet Union space race. The Nazis were so advanced with their rocketry that once they fell into the hands of two countries, it immediately created an industry and a technological arms race between the two countries. So when the U.S. swept through, we didn't just take 
rocket plans, we also took people. Uh, notably, Werner von Braun and the factory manager at that facility, his name was Arthur Rudolph, and about 120 other Nazi scientists. And now we refer to this as Operation Paperclip, though uh, at the time I don't think it was called that. I think they were uh, putting paperclips on the files of these these horrific war criminals to uh, covertly signal that these are the ones that they wanted to uh, bring to the U.S. and I mean, essentially, eventually make them heroes and and give them awards and quite literally make them the leaders of NASA. That is what happened. And so here's the thing. Uh, I can only assume that if an organization is being run by somebody who was at least complicit in mass murder, that the actions of that company should be subject to increased scrutiny. Even from a crazed conspiracy theorist like myself, I think that seems reasonable. We, we should at least be able to hold them to that standard. But hey, I guess the lesson is if you're going to torture and mass murder, well, better be good at building rockets. In fact, Walt Disney will even give you your own show. That was what he did with Warner Von Braun. Might be a bad example, though, because we all know how much Walt Disney loved Nazis. Find you someone that loves you like Walt Disney loved Nazis. That's what I always say. All right, so it's the 1950s. We've got rocket plans. We've got smart Nazis. And now we've got competition to get into space. Enter President Dwight Eisenhower. Now, before I started researching the moon race, I had my theories about the CIA killing President Kennedy. But after this research, I think they killed him because they were traumatized by Eisenhower. And anything that slightly resembled that guy, they had to kill him. From what I can tell, Dwight Eisenhower was the shit. I mean, he was awesome. And at least in my opinion, because basically the 1950s and rockets could be summed up like this. So some technological advancement in rocketry justifies starting a new department and seeking funding and Eisenhower basically telling them to go kick rocks. That's it. That's the whole timeline of the 50s. Uh, people asking for money and Eisenhower is like, absolutely not. This is nonsense. Go away. So <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> he's, he's awesome. He's like, uh, the, uh, Ron Swanson, uh, of presidents. As far as I can tell, uh, uh, great monetary policy. Uh, he was also worried that that um, developing rockets would would lead to unnecessary um, world uh, you know tensions, um, military tensions. Anyway, uh, from what I can tell, he might have been like the last level-headed president that we ever had. I don't know, maybe JFK was, but but we all see <laughs> we've all seen what they did to his head. So uh, anyway, speaking of John F. Kennedy, here we are. Enter. John F. Kennedy. It's now the 1960s and the people, the people want rockets. Damn it. They said, we need rockets. Please, daddy government, give us more rockets. And they felt like America was losing 
the space race. Now, in fairness to Eisenhower, I get the feeling that he didn't think we were in a space race. But if you were keeping score, by the time JFK took over, the score would have been like U.S. 0 and Russia 10. Because the Russians had... I mean, they had put the first man in space. They had put the first dog in space. They put the first two satellites in space. They had actually done a flyby of the moon. They had done all kinds of stuff. And if it had to do with space, the Russians had done it. And the U.S. had basically either tried and failed or not even tried at some of those. In fact, to give you an example of how advanced the Russians were versus the U.S., the Russians were lifting like 1,500 pounds of payload with their rockets at this time, and the U.S. were still lifting like 10 pounds. So it was a big difference. It was significant. So anyway, when JFK takes over, he makes that promise that we're going to go to the moon before the end of the decade, and he gives that uh, rousing speech as, we will go to the moon and do the other thing, uh, because it not because it is easy, but because it is hard. You know, that one. And uh, largely what that was is it was basically a PR campaign for American greatness, because in the 1950s, American greatness is really what kind of defined the idea of the country. And it was kind of starting to wane. People were losing faith in uh, in the in the country for a number of reasons. But uh, the space race was, in their opinion, certainly part of that. A couple more years and blammo, uh, JFK is dead and American greatness is really struggling now. And it's hard to um, understate. Well, I, no, it's hard to overstate just how bad that event was for uh, American morale. It was the 9-11 of that time, and it was really traumatic for the country. Now, uh, speaking of trauma for the country, when JFK was shot, Lyndon Johnson takes over. <laughs> totally by surprise, right? Because old Lyndon Johnson had no idea that was going to happen. And for that matter, uh, neither did George H.W. Daddy Bush, right? who was definitely not in Dealey Plaza that day. He was somewhere, but when he was under oath, he couldn't remember where he was that day, but definitely not in Dealey Plaza. Anyway, I digress. Um, so in researching this, during, during the LBJ, or I, I should say during the JFK and the LBJ presidency, what I theorized was going on was that a bunch of data was being recovered. So we were doing a, a bunch of rocket launching and satellite, whatever, data reconnaissance and whatnot, figuring out that the uh, radiation belts that surround the Earth, called the Van Allen radiation belts, were super intense and that the uh, conditions on the moon's surface with all these micrometeorites and the crazy temperature swings. I think during this era, we were figuring that stuff out. And so I think they were finding out that going to the moon or putting people on the moon was, uh, was a lot harder than they initially thought. 
Now, you're not going to find any official sources that point to this, but that is just the feeling I get from reading about it because a lot was done, but all the all the all the significant milestones of the space race had already been achieved by 1959 the russians had already uh, completed their luna missions which uh, landed on the moon essentially uh, unmanned but that had already happened by 1959 so what they say was going on in this time was the preparation for a manned uh, uh, <clears throat> moon mission but what i theorized was going on was they were figuring out that they their mouth had written checks that their ass couldn't cash so to speak so fast forward to 1969 and now we have richard nixon now this poor sap kind of settled into office and I presume that they start to tell him about the fact that they can't go to the moon or they aren't ready or that it's going to take more time or that it was much more difficult than they had initially thought. That's the feeling I get. But don't worry, because Richard Nixon had some great people around him, some real straight shooters like, you know, Henry Kissinger and Donald Rumsfeld, you know, some real good guys, you know. Now, with any good conspiracy theory, this part of the story is where you kind of get varying accounts. What is known for sure is that with the help of Stanley Kubrick, the first steps on the moon, that first moon mission, were filmed here on Earth. And the reason they say that it was done is because if the moon mission failed, then they would need to use that footage. So, by some accounts, it was LBJ that had this uh, fake moon landing uh, filmed and completed. And some say that it was Nixon that had it done. Now, my gut tells me it was LBJ that faked the moon landings. And there is a pretty strong piece of evidence that... that that points this out. There's a deathbed confession from a guy called Gene Gilmore. And he says that his father was stationed at Cannon Air Force Base in New Mexico. And he his job was to guard the door of these airplane hangars. And inside was the moon landing film set. Basically, everything that we have seen as the Apollo 11 landing, he said, was going on inside that airplane hangar like they were bringing in dump trucks full of pulverized concrete dust and they had you know the 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 eagle lander everything was set up in there or that's what he said his job was to guard the door so he had a list of personnel that was allowed inside and on that list was stanley kubrick and lbj and a number of others now i think this guy's confession is at least slightly credible, but it is just one guy's deathbed confession. In fact, he says that his father told him about this story um, on 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 his deathbed, and then uh, Gene Gilmore's testimony is 
essentially on his own deathbed. And the video came out after he had died uh, of cancer. So anyway, take that for what you will. I found it to be pretty credible. And I will link to a, a, a video with uh, Gene Gilmore's confession on it. Now, one thing that is that's pretty well known is that Stanley Kubrick did help during this process, whether it was LBJ or Nixon. And Stanley Kubrick did have a relationship with the U.S. government. In fact, the government had loaned him a camera to work on one of his films. Now, Donald Rumsfeld and his band of merry scumbags, they even admit that they asked Kubrick to help fake the moon landing. But of course, what they say is that they were only asking for that help if the mission failed or was not able to happen. As you know, they tell us that it did happen. What I think this is, is I think it's a limited hangout. I think by them telling us that they were involved with Stanley Kubrick, but that they never actually used that footage is what I believe is called a limited hangout. If you're not familiar with what a limited hangout is, it's when they will give you a limited amount of information, a limited amount of truth is revealed to you to lend credibility to a narrative that's being presented to send you down a path that actually leads you away from the intentionally hidden facts. And I believe it was pretty easy in this case because uh, Nixon had already been kind of disgraced and it really is just the perfect cover story and it's a perfect limited hangout. So anyway, that's what I think is going on there. Limited hangouts are common. They're used all the time by intelligence departments and it's just a common deception tactic. And from what I can tell, Nixon wasn't really about this kind of action. The character Milhouse on The Simpsons, I think is based on Richard Milhouse Nixon because he kind of seems like a sort of innocent and well-intentioned guy. Anyway, it just seems like that character Milhouse is, is kind of a pretty accurate caricature of Richard Nixon. And that's probably why they had to get rid of the guy, right? That's not how LBJ was. LBJ, man, he was a, uh, he just, he really loved tricking people. It, there, there are accounts of him going back to his youth where he really just kind of liked being lying and deceptive and tricking people. He really loved Hollywood. He loved hobnobbing around with celebrities. He was a real kind of high flutin and, and flashy guy by all accounts. And he wanted the space race to be the same thing. He wanted uh, NASA and the space program to be like a blockbuster film. He actually had film crews and directors and such weighing in and uh, uh, designing the layouts of the launch pads and the NASA facilities so that they could look good on TV. And... <coughs> Excuse me. So <clears throat> I think it's 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 at least plausible to consider that the moon landing was faked and that they had the uh, video to do so. Now, where it happened and when it happened, that's still up for debate. But 
if we know that the government did admit to working with Stanley Kubrick, uh, then we then we can at least assume that there's a good chance that it was faked. Anyway, one of the funny details I liked about this whole narrative is that Stanley Kubrick changed the room number on the the original uh, Shining, the Stephen King Shining. He changed that that room with the bad juju from room 217 to room 237. And could it be because the moon is 237,000 miles away? I don't know. Did he feel guilty, perhaps, uh, about helping the government deceive the entire world? And that's the bad juju he was trying to avoid? I don't know, but it certainly sounds fun. Who knows? All right, so we know that Nixon or LBJ had the moon landing faked somehow. And now it's June 20th, 1969, and the entire world watches while Neil Armstrong takes that small step for man or that giant leap for mankind. But were they watching footage coming back from the moon or... Were they watching footage from a soundstage? Now, it would seem totally crazy to assume that it could be faked. You've probably seen those rooms full of engineers, those guys cheering and hugging when the lander touches down. They couldn't all be in on it, right? Yeah, right. Uh, I, I think that most of the people involved probably thought that it happened. That's because NASA had done tons of simulations, tons of them. And essentially, all they would have to do is to play back one of those simulations to the control room. You see, in 1969, these computer screens they were looking at, well, they're nothing like the computer screens we have today. They were basically just looking at telemetry data and and and, and the likes. They were looking at numbers ticking up on the screen for certain parameters. It's not like they had a like a window open with a live zoom call to to the astronauts. They it was it was really basic data they were looking at on the screen. And the moon footage itself uh, was just on one central screen at the front of the facility. And speaking of that moon footage, the way they actually did that for some reason was there was a television screen inside the NASA headquarters, and then they pointed a TV camera at that. Now, why they wouldn't just pipe the footage into the broadcast directly, I don't know, but that's the way they did it. Perhaps maybe they thought that the resolution would be a little too high and people might catch on. I don't know, but that's the way they did it. And I don't know, really know why it seems very strange to me. Anyway, speaking of being in front of cameras, one of the craziest pieces of evidence is that when these three astronauts came back from the moon, Wow, 
Uh, they did a press conference and they look like they're being sent to the principal's office. It is one of the most depressing things you've ever seen. I mean, these guys just got back from the moon and they look terrified. At one point, uh, Neil Armstrong actually elbows Michael Collins to shut him up because he's going on about not being able to see stars, which if you think about it, Michael Collins, Michael Collins didn't land on the moon. So they say it was uh, Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong that landed on the moon in the lander. And then Michael Collins was in the uh, orbiter. So he was just kind of orbiting around the moon while the other two were down there walking around. So it would seem that he would be able to see stars. I mean, what else was he doing up there? He, he had 24 hours or so, 20 hours or something to look out the window. I think he might've seen some stars. Anyway, I'll link to this video. You can check it out. Tell me what you think. Do you think these guys just got back from mankind's greatest achievement? It definitely doesn't look like that to me. All right. Also, after this point, um, Neil Armstrong and Michael Collins, they rarely made public appearances. And uh, Neil Armstrong actually went on to join a monastery or something like that. They basically rolled these guys out every once in a while to do like an annual couple minute spot on TV. But uh, most of the time, these two stayed out of the of the spotlight. Now, Buzz Aldrin, on the other hand, he remained in the spotlight and he also has been drinking himself retarded for the last 50 years and uh, perhaps he doesn't feel bad about lying if that's what he's doing. Uh, maybe it's his Freemason training that has come in so handy when deceiving the public. I don't know, but he definitely is a Freemason. Fun fact about Buzz Aldrin is uh, he's the oldest person to go to the South Pole in Antarctica. That's what they tell us anyway. So there's so much there. There's so much there. If, if, if you're not aware, Antarctica is is big in the conspiracy theory world. Uh, basically since 1959 in the Antarctic treaty, you can't go there. So it, it's funny that, uh, the second guy to walk on the moon is also the oldest guy to go to the other place. You definitely can't go anyway. Antarctica is huge. Uh, we'll be talking about it in the future. There's something going on there. There's definitely something going on in Antarctica. Anyway, uh, let's look at some of the weird stuff after the fact that the conspiracy theorists have been pointing to. Now, it doesn't get brought up often, but my favorite one is the dune buggy. I mentioned it at the beginning. It's because I think this one is so funny. It's kind of hard to find pictures of them both together, the lander and the dune buggy. But if you look at it both together, you're like, where did they put that thing? Like, where was the dune buggy garage? on the lunar lander. Now I'm, I'm sure somebody's got an explanation for it, but it doesn't look like that thing fits in there to me. The other thing, uh, is, is the temperatures on the moon. I had kind of talked about that earlier when they were sending up, uh, rovers and satellites and such. Now the temperatures on the moon are, they range hugely. So in sunlight, it can be as hot as 350 degrees. And in the shade, it can be as cold as minus 250 or minus 200 degrees Fahrenheit. There's all kinds of uh, accounts of 
what the actual temperatures are, but just know it's probably like a 400 degree Fahrenheit swing. It's huge. And they say they plan these missions all during what's called lunar dawn. But in any case, the sun had to be out because what they do tell you is they did. They didn't take lights to the moon with them. So in order to take all those pictures, the sun had to be out. And when there's no atmosphere, when the sun is out, it's super hot on the moon. So that AC unit, that air conditioning that they had in the lander, well, that must have been one hell of an air conditioner. Because let me tell you, air conditioners and batteries don't mix. Air conditioners take a hell of a lot of energy. And the batteries at that time really sucked. They were basically like a couple of lead-acid car batteries or something. But in any case, if you were going to try and power an air conditioner now with batteries, uh, you'd have a hard time doing it. So I don't know what that's all about, but it's a little fishy to me considering uh, 350-degree temps on the moon. I don't know how they kept it cool enough in that lander to get in there. Also, the camera that was used is called a Hasselblad 500, and there's a lot of experts that say the camera that went to the moon was essentially the same as the one, you know, that we had here on Earth. And with these wild temperature swings, the criticism is that in the shade where it's cold, the film basically turns to glass. It would shatter immediately. And where it's hot, it would basically just melt in those temperatures. So perhaps the camera was in like a Yeti cooler or something. Who knows? But uh, a lot of experts say there's no way that camera would have worked the way that they say that it did. Another thing is that camera was supposedly mounted to Neil Armstrong's chest. Now, if you look at these pictures, they certainly don't look like they're taken from that vantage point. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Neil Armstrong was carrying around a stepladder and every time he took a picture, he got up on the ladder. But, uh, but I don't think that's what was going on. So yeah, look at the pictures. Do you, do you think they look like they're taken from chest height? I don't think so. (laughs) The other thing is the flag waving. That's a real popular one. I don't find it particularly, um, convincing because I've never been on the moon. So I don't know what the flag should look like. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think the flag looks too wiggly or not? You tell me, but it's a very popular criticism is that waving flag and how it should or should not move on the moon. Excuse me. What I do think is uh, particularly convincing is the intersecting shadows. Now, this is seen in some of the pictures where the shadows go in intersecting directions. Essentially, think about it like this. If you're in a forest at sunrise or sunset, the shadows from the trees are all going to go in the same direction. And that's because the light source is really far away. And so they're all going to run parallel. But in some of these pictures, you can see that the shadows go in different directions. And the only way you would be able to achieve that is by having more than one light source. And there's only one light source on the moon because they didn't take lights with them. So the only other option there is that they used electric light in these photographs. Now, there's 10,000 debunking videos and articles out there. 
even some who have claimed to recreate the conditions, but I've looked at them. They don't look anything like the pictures on the moon. So I find that one pretty credible. The other thing that's very strange is none of the pictures or video show earth in the background. And this would be like the greatest selfie opportunity ever that was missed. I mean, think about it. If you were on the moon and you're looking back at your home, wouldn't you want to take a picture in front of it? I mean, it's, it's fully crazy to think that you're standing in front of earth and you, you never thought to take a picture with yourself next to it, but it didn't happen. And I think it's because it would be really difficult to create a fake earth in the background. Yeah. So they just left it out. Speaking of stuff that's not in the background, there aren't any stars in the pictures or video either. Now, this is also one of the classic ones. This was one of the original criticisms. And same with all the other stuff. There's 10,000 articles and debunking videos about it telling you why they shouldn't have been able to see stars anyway or the camera couldn't pick them up or whatever. But my intuition tells me that they should have been there and there should have been a lot of them because I have been in remote deserts and I've spent the night there and I've looked up at the, the stars and the sky is absolutely filled with them. Now, if you're in a city because of the light pollution, it doesn't look like there's that many stars. But if you get out in the middle of nowhere, the sky is absolutely filled with them. Now, if you're on the moon where there's zero light pollution and no atmosphere to obstruct that view, it would seem to me that the sky would be completely full of stars. And yet, they're not in the pictures. And Michael Collins, during that press conference, was talking about how he never saw them, even when he was orbiting around the dark side of the moon. Doesn't that seem a little bit fishy to you? It certainly does to me. Now, Those are all the fun things. Those are the things with the footage and the photographs and you can look through them and look for anomalies and judge them for yourself. That's the kind of stuff I love about conspiracy theories. But that is not the most compelling piece of evidence, in my opinion. The real piece of evidence, the real elephant in the room is why haven't we been back I mean, it's been 50 years and they claim that we went six more times after Apollo 11. Five of them successfully landed on the moon. Apollo 13 had issues that was made into a Hollywood movie. I'm sure you saw that one. So anyway, uh, five more landings after Apollo 11. So that's six moon missions in three years They all landed on the moon successfully. Easy peasy, right? But we haven't been back since 1972. And let's see. They claim it was because of, drum roll please, money. (laughs) Obviously, of course, that's so government of you. Just give us more money and we'll do what you want. It's your fault. It's your fault, you stingy taxpayers you we'd go back if you weren't so stingy with your tax money but we're not we're we're actually not stingy at all it, 
NASA gets $65 million per day. That's right. $65 million a day is not enough to go back, I guess. So what you mean to tell me is that you went successfully six times in the late 60s and early 70s, and you can't do it with 2020s technology and modern monetary theory? Boo. I don't believe you, <laughs> not even a little bit. Our cell phones have a million times, the cell phones that are in our pockets have a million times the computing capacity of the entire rocket ship that they had 50 years ago. And we can't go back now? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, have you seen a car from the 1970s? Have you been in a 1970s vehicle? There's not even any plastic in it. I mean, it doesn't look anything like what we have today. Think about things from the 1970s. Does our world look anything the same? No, it's completely different. We should have bases on the moon at this point. I mean, we should all be taking weekend trips to Sandals Moon Resort by now. But it's absolutely ridiculous to think that we pulled it off successfully in the 60s and we can't go back today. <clears throat> and why can't we? Well, according to NASA, we can't go back because they lost the data. That's right. That's what NASA says. They lost the data from the moon missions. They said, get this, they say they were taped over. <laughs> it's laughable, right? Because the most important moment in mankind's history got taped over like it was an episode of Family Matters or something. And honestly, Steve Urkel might be a more serious spokesperson uh, than, than what NASA rolls out for us. Cause it's totally ridiculous. You couldn't buy more tapes. I mean, you couldn't have at least started a fire or something to, to, to fool us it's taped over. Come on. Oh man. It's, it's really, it's, it's really kind of a slap in the face. I, th I think they're laughing at us. I think that's what it is, but you see, technology doesn't go backwards. We don't have any other examples of this. So it's total insanity to think that our greatest achievement as humanity, leaving our earthly home and visiting the only other place in the galaxy uh, so far, the moon, well, I guess we just can't replicate it now and we have no desire to. That doesn't make any sense. Now, speaking of, of NASA people and, and what they will admit, there is a NASA engineer, a guy named Kelly Smith, and he admitted uh, pretty recently that the technology to traverse those Van Allen radiation belts does not exist. Those were his words. He says the technology doesn't exist to traverse those Van Allen radiation belts. He said we need to go through them to understand the dangers. But didn't you send people through them 50 years ago? And by the way, what have you been doing since then? So let's just say that is the case. Don't you think you should have maybe started studying these things like, I don't know, right after you sent 24 people through them? 
why are we just now hearing about this? And by the way, the Reynolds wrap that you used on the first mission seemed to work just fine. So why don't you just do that again? Oh boy. Also, also, uh, we haven't tried to go back. Well, but others have tried to go back. So, uh, other, other organizations have, have, uh, at least suggested to send a robot, uh, exploring uh, uh, an exploring robot to the moon and uh, China has proposed this I think Israel has and there's a private company called Astrobotics they propose sending a robot to the lunar landing sites and NASA well NASA pressured them not to go NASA says that you can't visit those sites you can't even fly by those sites now I don't know if NASA thinks they own the moon or if the U.S. thinks they own the moon, but the uh, the NASA simps, the uh, moon landing simps, will tell you uh, that this isn't actually the way it went down. But if you look it up, you can find the press releases from these robot, these proposed robot missions, and they're all 15 to 20 years old. So whatever the criticism or whatever the debunking, well, it never happened. So, so, so I'm right, you know, because, uh, either they got pressured not to go or the, the whole thing was fake to begin with, but either way it, it doesn't bode well because wouldn't NASA want that to happen? Wouldn't NASA just want to send robots up there to poke around the landing sites just to shut up all the conspiracy theories? You think NASA would be clamoring for this stuff, but they're not. Nope, we haven't gone back up there. But what have we had since? What have we had since the moon landings or the supposed moon landings? Uh, well, I was an 80s kid, so I had the space shuttle. Yeah, what a piece of shit, the space shuttle. It's basically just a stubby-winged jet, and they flew it up around there, and they opened the doors and fixed something. <laughs> Who knows what they were doing up there? But, uh, yeah, that's what I had, the space shuttle, the much uh, lamer and and more ridiculous than the Apollo missions. And what do we have now? We have the International Space Station, which is... 250 miles up or at least that's what they say but 250 miles up high as that may be that's only one one thousandth of the way to the moon one one thousandth of the way so it's not even close that's it that's it 250 miles up and have you seen these space station videos they are hilarious they're so fake and I don't know what's going on there because the space station itself actually makes sense to me. It's believable. So I don't know what they're doing faking these videos, but you can see them. They're fake as hell. And there's a bunch of like green screen errors and pieces falling when they're supposedly in a weightless environment. And you can see people hanging on cables. You can see bubbles in the water when they're doing these quote spacewalks it's really ridiculous there's tons of these videos so again i could totally believe the space station and yet somehow 
somehow there's just all these really fake videos of it. But uh, anyway, I guess all you got to do is lie about being in space for a year and then you get to be a U.S. senator. (laughs) Or at least that's what's happening right now in Arizona. Birds of a feather, I guess. But anyway, I... I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope Artemis, or as I call it, Fartemis, proves me wrong. But I already have my suspicions because when the landing page for Artemis, the first sentence starts out by their ultimate goal is to send a woman or a person of color to the moon. I mean, really? That's it? It's been 50 years. Send back anyone at this point. Who cares who it is? Send something. (laughs) But now they have fallen victim to the spirit of the age and uh, their ultimate goal. Got to get a woman or uh, or a person of color on the moon. Who knows? Uh, Maybe finding uh, women liars and liars of color is just as easy as finding white male liars. I I don't know. (laughs) I I thought most of the uh, Freemasons were old white guys, but Hey, who knows? Who knows? You know what? I take back what I said. I take back what I said. I don't want them to prove me wrong. I want the moon landings and space to be a giant scam because pulling off a deception of that magnitude is way more interesting than going to the moon. It's way more interesting. I mean, going to the moon was so boring that Alan Shepard had to sneak a golf club up there and knock a bunch of golf clubs around on the moon. Oh, and you know what? I, I forgot. I forgot. Th- they were gathering moon rocks, right? That's that's a big one. They were they were gathering up moon rocks. That's why they went. I forgot the moon rocks. Got to tell you about the moon rocks. They prove we went, right? We have the rocks. Well, the thing with moon rocks is that they're a lot like earth rocks. <laughs> They're basically identical to earth rocks uh, when they're tested for, you know, mineral composition and whatnot. They're just earth rocks or or they're the same as earth rocks. And essentially the moon was formed by another celestial object colliding with earth and then spinning off and forming into the moon. And the moon is made of the same mix of elements because of that impact. Uh, It's called the big whack theory. And it seems pretty whack to me. I, what I think it is, is a likely explanation because all the rocks we have are, earth rocks (laughs) and and in fact if that's not enough for you the in 1969 when the apollo astronauts get got back they kind of went on tour and they gave one of these moon rocks to the dutch prime minister but oops (laughs) that wasn't a moon rock no no they tested it and that was a piece of petrified wood oops whoopsie daisy i guess the rocks got mixed up in the saturn rocket overhead luggage compartment or something they tried though they tried they actually sent werner von braun to antarctica in 1967 presumably to pick up moon rocks 
Uh, but I guess he grabbed a piece of petrified wood or something. Who knows? Because I don't think there's petrified wood in Antarctica anyway. But again, that's why it's great. Antarctica's crazy. Something going on there. Maybe there's petrified wood out there. There you go, folks. Uh, that is my moon landing presentation. Sleep deprived from the kids and busy from work. But there it is. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you got a little something out of it. Maybe you want to look into it further. If you're interested in the topic, look it look it up for yourself. It's a it's a fun one. The sky's the limit. I mean, maybe literally in this case, maybe the sky is the literal limit in this case, but it's a fun one to look into. I'm gonna post a bunch of stuff with the episode. What are my solutionary suggestions for this? For this episode, I don't know. You could, uh, I guess, you could donate to to Artemis and and oh so poor NASA to help them get marginalized people to the moon. But you know what? If they don't put a handy, capable two spirit Eskimo on the moon, is it even worth going? I ask you. Is it even worth going? <laughs> so there you go. That's my solutionary suggestion. The reading for this one, the reading is obviously exciting because it's an exciting topic. And the the first one is uh, a relatively new book, and it's called Moon Man by Bart Sabrell. Now, Bart Sabrell is like the guy when it comes to moon landing fakery. This book was a really uh, fun read. I really enjoyed it. Although I will say Bart seems a bit paranoid. He does claim that the CIA is trying to kill him. And my guess is if the CIA wants you dead, you dead. <laughs> You're not going to do anything about that. But the book was great. And uh, it's it's an exciting read. You can, you can tell that Bart has spent his entire life obsessing about the topic. And it really comes through in the book. Um, he's also got a couple of films. And... One of those is called Astronauts Gone Wild. And the premise of that is he goes around and tries to get the moonwalking astronauts to swear on a Bible that they were actually there. Now, he admits now that uh, that idea was kind of in poor taste. And I got that feeling while watching it because, you know what, if he came up to me and, and on the spot and tried to get me to do that, I'd probably punch him in the face. And that's actually what he got. <laughs> by one of them. So check out that film. His other film is called a funny thing happened on the way to the moon. There is a piece of evidence that he has in that film that is very compelling, but I purposefully didn't talk about it because it's really visual. Got to check that one out for yourself. And um, I'll, I'll link to him and his books and his films. The one of the other the other books, like the original uh, moon hoax book is called We Never Went to the Moon by Bill Casing. This is like the uh, the the book that lit the fire for all these moon conspiracies. And it's real expensive on Amazon. I don't know why it's so hard to get uh, so expensive on Amazon and everywhere else for that matter. But I have a PDF. If you want this one, just email me and I'll, I'll send it to you. And this one has the kind of the original old school, like the anomalies in the photographs and the, the stars not being in the background and stuff. It's, it's a good read, but, uh, 
I, I think the newer books kind of cover that stuff in more detail anyway. There's there's another book that, that I enjoyed that is called NASA Mooned America. You can't find this book anywhere. It's not even on Amazon for any price. So again, I have the PDF for this one. If you want that one, uh, email me. I'll send it to you. All right. So, oh, geez, we just broke an hour. I did it again. Perhaps I need to edit better, but I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I hope you'll join me again. If you're any of those 26,000, I hope you stuck around for this one. And uh, until next time, I'll catch you on the flip side. Dancing on the moon, your girl in your arms, far away from all the crowds, up above the silvery clouds. Dancing on the moon